baby, we are back. If you have stumbled into this corner of the Wicked Wild Web, welcome. You are in another realm, another dimension with the one, the only, uh, Lobo Savage. And today we, of course, must go through the process and figure out what it is that uh, keeps us ticking and keeps the world ticking and ideally helps us realize more of our potential. Hello, Josh. Long time, baby. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Uh, uh, thank you for having me once again. Uh, how are you doing today? We're we're coming off of a holiday weekend. Actually, no, not a holiday for Canadians. My brothers up north. <laughs> Tough times, man. It must be nice. You got full bellies for the turkey day and yes. uh, f- full full spirits of gratitude and all those things. It's it, it's like. It's always uh, it's funny. It's ironic that that gratitude leads straight into Christmas and the capitalist fucking yes, eat, it, eat it all. Literally, you get the day, you eat a major feast, and then of course, for years now, Black Friday has continued, which is our capitalist holiday, consumerism at its finest. And literally, they kept pushing back the start of it to where it doesn't even start on Friday. It actually starts on Thursday. Most of the sales began in the beginning of the week. So after you're done having a merry time and so thankful for your time with your family, you're going out to purchase trinkets immediately after to try and um, get something tangible that says you love someone, which is absolutely ridiculous. But it's the American way. Is it? Because... Yes, well, personally, yes, but this is the the was it the five le- love languages where there's yes. gift giving, there's quality time, there's all the thing that uh, my girlfriend's taught me. But I just feel as if the gift giving could be a little bit of a cheat code or the consumerism because it's just like shit. I don't know, I haven't put much thought in it. Bang, fifty bucks that'll buy me some time to let them know I'm thinking about them, I care about them. But the ones that you really want are the ones that like people. There's some thought and care that's like, oh shit, this person thought about me and cares about me and took time and I'm evidently part of their consciousness and experience, which you can get from a gift. More likely than not, though, I'm getting some Roblox or some Legos that I may or may not play with, you know? This is true. And then the gift giving is quite complicated um, because uh, there are those out there that gift give at a specific amount and gift giving becomes very transactional. It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> and it's a- I got a blender last year, so they spent $35 <laughs> on me. That's my budget for them. And then it becomes this tit-for-tat tennis game. Or then you have the guy who buys his girlfriend something way over the top, and you're just like, he definitely cheated. Like, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no way. <laughs> it's, it's the only reason why. So gift-giving is just a funny thing. I try to let it come off the top whenever I do gift-give. I always try to, you know, tap into something I may have heard someone say and then they think that I wasn't listening and then bam, oh, you want to. But okay, so uh, play devil's advocate. You go over the top, you hit something that hits so close to the core that you're like, holy shit, Josh must have been just paying six, six D chess with me and paying attention to all the different cues. I didn't know what was dropping. You surprise, you wow. You you drop the panties of your friends and you impress them so much. Could they not just say, "What the hell this motherfucker do to me? Why he's he's sweeting me up and butting me exactly. up?" So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Exactly. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there's no clear answer in gift giving. There's no way to figure out the psyche of the person you are giving the gift to and how they will view something. So it's just a very stressful time. Um, therefore, <laughs> I think I stopped giving gifts like maybe two years ago. You know, I just I give experiences now or I give time with myself. Um, I used to write it on cars like ah, I've allotted you an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you won the lottery, you know? Uh, but no, yeah, that's just, it's the holidays, man. Uh, safe I, safe to assume your love language is quality time or how you appreciate and receive it? If, no, I don't know if, if my love language is on that list. I don't know the list well. <laughs> uh, as, you, as you can see from my appearance, I am very single uh, living the caveman life, but... um. No, I would say my love language, it really is a seasonal thing. I think it switches from time to time. But the one that always is pretty consistent is just, uh, I'm going to call it blind loyalty and blind faith. And yes, I Mm. do say blind because, no, not because I'm not deserving of it, but it's just that uh, that wrong or right, I'm always right kind of thing or, or, you know, uh, family above everything above laws and stuff like that. So mm. loyalty is just a big one. Um, but yeah, I have abandonment issues. So yeah, you know, that's that. <laughs> that's my love language. No, sometimes it's affection. Um, you know, someone put their hand on my back and it's just, I feel loved. Uh, yeah. It depends, man. It depends. We're not well, I all... think that's like everything. There's no like one clear answer. It's it's you mold and you adapt and you change. And I, I, ideally, you're like interacting with your environment forever, you know? Yeah. I heard, I don't know, I, I can't remember which part I was listening to this past week, but they were saying how uh, if we look at humans, we can't have this so like defeatist or fatalist mentality because the one thing that's shown us time and time again is we're resilient motherfuckers and we adapt and we change and we mold to our environment. So it's tough to ever like define or I take an identity like this is what I am. This is what I appreciate. This is how I operate. Cause I would not be who I am 10 years ago and I'm definitely not going to be who I am 10 years from now type of thing. Yeah. that And I think, um, I think love languages change a lot. It's a, uh, it's seasonal, but it's kind of like when we were talking about the great teachers in life, it's a hierarchy. That is constantly, you know, mm-hmm. it's like sure. constant competition to where things switch. What was third place last year could be first place, or it also depends on on your partner at the time. That that definitely can uh, change your love language. Uh, so, yeah, everybody fits different needs in different yeah. times in your life. So, yeah, and you you learn about it and you adapt and grow. Yeah, I th- I do think I do think gifts change. The one that I don't know this this. I have a gift on my desk right now, actually, from my uncle John Joe, my godfather. He gave me gave me this book. He had mentioned it last time we saw him. It's called Dove. Robin Lee Graham, the true story of a 16-year-old boy who sailed his 24-foot sloop around the world to discover adventure and love. I don't know. I feel like 60? 16, one six, one six. Oh, I thought you said 60 year old boy. I was like, I don't know what's <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, a that's, that's a man. That's a man. I think. I, I'm, I'm gonna dig into it. I'd yet to. Uncle John, he gave me a bit of a preface saying how uh, this is the story that inspired him and uh, encouraged him at a young age to want to have a little bit of wanderlust. 
and go no. see the world. And it's this guy who fell in love with sailing, I think via via's father, uh, bought a little dinghy. And then next thing you know, his mission is to go see the world and on a sailboat with no engine or no motor just by himself and like pick up odd jobs around the world to, you know, that's, that's a different level of, of freedom or a different level of, uh, fuck it. I'm going to go see what my potential and experience is. Uh, that's the epitome, uh, because the water and the wind are involved. Uh, it's the epitome of going <laughs> with the flow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Have Jeez. you ever gone? How do you go with the flow? Mr. Bamboo? Uh, going with the flow, uh, is in my life, since I do not own a dinghy, um, it's, just, <laughs> it's kind of opening myself to the universe. Um, I do it every once in a while. Uh, it's nice to be structured. It's nice to be disciplined. It's nice to just have everything planned out, um, at times, but I would definitely say I'm a sucker for chaos. Um, and so, uh, my idea of chaos is kind of leave the world to its own devices and just be the vessel inside of that. So I think going with the flow is when I get the random call that I don't expect that someone's like, hey, man, come have a drink with me tonight. And mm-hmm. boom, I end up in, you know, chaos. I don't know a, a random house having a six hour conversation with someone I just met and just changes in perspective by me just going with the flow. It's just like okay, whether you believe in God, the universe, whatever it is, it's like it places you somewhere that you needed to be to receive the gospel in that setting. So that's really my going with the flow or just kind of leaving things up to others, uh, even though I know I can sway things any which direction. Um, sometimes it's a lot of time it's work related. I just I'm like, all right, you know what? Hey, I don't really try to shoot down people's ideas. Even if I think I have a better idea, sometimes I'll just like. Hey man, let's let's go down this rabbit hole together. Let's let's see, because that's kind of where a lot of my learning takes place. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, things can be salvaged. You know, if if all hell breaks loose, I can always pull it back, or at least I have. <laughs> well, is that is that is that fate or destiny? Where like you're on a predefined path, uh, and things start to pop up, or things start to like bifurcate over time, and just based off of your willpower and your decisions that you make, you start to see more of the story or or both i don't know you know it's a mixture now i gotta see i i I thought these two words were were the same (laughs) you know make your chance to be great you know one one is more like i feel as if one is is uh you're kind of along for the ride and it's predefined and for the most part, there's not much changing. Whereas the other one is uh, a million and one possibilities, and it's kind of up to the individual. It's tough because I think I feel it probably comes back to time and how do you view time or something? I don't know. Yeah. So it says destiny is the events. It's a noun. The events that will necessarily happen to a particular person or thing in the future. Fate is the development of events beyond a person's control regarded as determined by a supernatural power. But Hmm. it's similar to destiny. So they're very close. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think my view of life, uh, 
Fate and Destiny are weird because I still haven't sorted out, I guess, maybe uh, my spiritual uh, grounding in life or, or um, as it relates to God and all these other uh, supernatural things. But um, I think I am I am the captain of my, what is the saying? You're the captain of your own destiny. Or, I'm you know, the captain now? Yeah, no, not Captain, but, but yes, basically. Uh, so I have those moments where it's like I, I like to practice letting go of control. Um, ultimately, you know, things are always outside of our control. But sometimes as I move forward in life and I'm just hitting all my little tasks to build up to the bigger goal, I feel very much in control. And when I'm too in control, I get bored. Um, I like challenges. So then there comes those times where I go with the flow and I just let go of everything, you know, and mm-hmm. see where it takes me. Or, or I try to manipulate life slightly and then let the universe respond. It's like a, in that case, it's checkers. You know, we're just tit for tat and me and the universe, you know. Yeah. It, it feeds my God complex, you know. So <laughs> I think All right, yeah, wait. But then is that like, I don't know, it's almost as if you're like the ever student. You're just trying yes. new things and you you get, not get bored. You get bored because you've put in reps, you've understood. And now at some point, like, all right, now I got to go be a little more uncomfortable and like step into something where I have to figure it all out again. And then through that process, you're it's, it's growing. Yeah. I think it's more uh, focused on practicing being uncomfortable uh like here's the thing there are a lot of people on this planet that i've realized i'm gonna say there's a lot of women on this planet i've realized that <laughs> like to already like, take it 50 percent of people yeah, and put yeah. them in two buckets boy no and there's nothing wrong with the statement i'm about to say and i don't think i should be canceled but i think women are very uh, rigid and they schedule things and they they like to be on time and stuff like that. And I'm a, a, a bit more relaxed. Uh, I like a bit of chaos. Uh, if you tell me the party's at six o'clock, I'm pulling in at nine. Um, and I've probably <laughs> already been to two other parties kind of thing. But it, it's an exercise in um, just sitting with uncertainty. And the more I do it, the easier uh, things are on me when it's a major event. Um it helps me put things in perspective. It helps me understand the limits of my personal power because when I let go of power and I just survive somehow, like ultimately it's like, all right, will I survive? You know, it's the, oh, you've just been through something, but did you die though? And so <laughs> that's just on a way more extreme level. Um, we don't have to dive into that because there's probably some influential children that will tune into this eventually, but um, no, it's just a practice in, I am not in control. Can I, can I keep the ship afloat? Can I, can I keep the dinghy going, you know? Yeah. Um, But I like to take the chances because it's the testing of the boundaries and within reason, within reason. I think with, yeah, but it's tough because within reason is so subjective, you know? Yes. I was tuning into, um, I think it was a much older episode, relative, relatively speaking, but I was t- tuning into Steve-O on Joe, uh, and he had a bit of a shtick. Well, granted, take Steve-O for what it is, you know, but he had a bit of a shtick because uh, at one point Joe was commenting saying how, uh, why, you know those guys that walk on the edge of like cliffs and yeah. skyscrapers, it's just a yeah. wild phenomenon. 
uh, Steve-O is, is a little bit of their champion and their advocate saying like, why are these folk and people not uh, celebrated because that is bravery and courage and he's a jackass and a stuntman. So, you know, he knows that feeling better than most, but he equivocates that experience to what, what I, I imagine you're, you're sharing where it's like testing your physical potential and putting yourself in places of uncomfortability, uncertainty, you're going to grow and develop and learn more about yourself and maybe achieve more of your potential. You are. It's also the, uh, there are those of us that if the pressure is not on, we do not perform at our best. You know, um, I, I get it from movies and and we all know movies are not real. Um, they can be based around real events, but Mm -hmm. even if I do a movie about something in your life, we're not going to be doing the exact same things, you know, we're going to, it's going to look like we are, we're simulating it, but we got to make it dramatic and these kind of things. But um, it's a mixture of creating a pressure where there really wasn't that much of a pressure or warping my mind to see things as life or death. So that I'm like, all right, I got to be on point, you know, really knowing what you're made of. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like as it relates to these guys who walk on the edge of, um, skyscrapers and stuff like that to me that's church for those guys and you know i've never heard anyone say it like that but it's that conversation with god it's that moment where you're figuring out and i'm not saying anyone go out and do this to figure out if you are favored by god you have to understand your loves me he loves me not yeah you know that kind of thing but it really is it's a i think all of us are looking for that religious experience that 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 divine moment that you really are just like i am here for a reason because like for me uh my divine moment came early when i did the whole cancer thing and i was Mm -hmm. like okay i lived through that so let's keep testing the boundaries baby but it really just put me into overdrive as it relates to that and i think um we all get to come across those moments and uh whenever those moments do arise it's always it's special to you. It's magical, but it's so humbling in the sense that I think when those moments arrive, you realize it's like, all right, some of it's the effort you're putting into life. The rest of it is really something magical outside of our being that is either responding to your choices or you made all the right turns and you just happen to end up here, you know, and there's a lot of reasons that we tell ourselves, oh, I've arrived here, but uh, there's something there that we can't quantify that brings Mm -hmm. us to that point and so i think it's just the testing your boundaries but also the catch with the 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 cliff walkers what the catch is (laughs) yes you are if you survive yes god level you are above the rest of society but anyhow you die bro you are an idiot you know there's a (laughs) fine line between just doing reckless stuff and actually being some kind of savant so it's it's up to the outcome of whatever it is you're doing. Of course, doing. it's the it's the it's the ultimate risk reward trade off, and right. uh, there's idiocy, and then there's greatness. And you have to be a little bit of an idiot. Like that's the thing, evil community. Yes. You you just have to be an idiot in a sense of our our normal standard of this makes you an idiot, this makes you a genius. But the line between idiot and genius is so fine, and 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 
there are points it's like an old fence bro there are holes in it where you can slip from the idiot side to genius and oh man you just got lucky but that's the thing I, I my view of life is is that it is a video game of some sort, just with no respawning. Um, so uh, the thing about like role playing games, you don't have to finish them in any set amount of time. So sometimes you get into a certain map in a game and you just play the map. You're just running around, figuring things out, trying things. And um, yeah, I think that's just the approach that I take because most people are control freaks. They like to be in control, but. Nobody can live in control their entire life. There are things outside of our control. So, a hundred percent. But and you you do take on control in aspects that help you feel better and feel like you can put yourself in places of uncomfortability and, and uh, chaos, if you will. I, I find and I feel as if, and it's why I think we, you and I, have stayed close over the years. Is that you? you understand and learn more about yourself as you put yourself sure in places of uncomfortability and you test yourself. And I think a lot of this comes from martial arts where at the end of the day, you'll only know if you try and you got to put in some sort of action and put in some sort of effort to be able to realize and see, all right, what am I, what am I capable of? And that question, that was the end of, that was the end of uh, Goggins first book where he's just like before it, my entire complex and my questioning of my, I won't say professionalism, but like his potential was a bit of imposter syndrome where he, every great individual walks through some adversity and they identify a lot of who they are and what they've done through that adversity. And then at some point, their mind shifts and clicks because they've been living with that fear and chaos and uncertainty for so long. Then they like step into their power. And the question of what am I capable of now, it's like, all right. It's not only glass half full, but it's how much how much more can I fill this bitch type of thing, yep. you know? And that sort of attitude or mentality only comes from sharpening your iron, which I don't think you sharpen iron, but you get me. Like you got to put in the, the work with the, the forge. And if you yeah. do that, then you can unlock some of the other stuff. But the problem is our world, our folks, and our society doesn't encourage us to get uncomfortable as much as we are coddled or we want things to be easy and convenient. Yeah, that, and I think the world's changed. It's, it's, it used to be a world where iron was to be sharpened continuously and progression was, was out there to be taken and ambition was, uh, it was, we fed it, we fed it. And, and now we've switched over as a, as a society, as a world, to a time when um, IQ is no longer up here. Uh, EQ has definitely jumped up. And mm-hmm. I, I can tell you I didn't even know about EQ until uh, – oof, I learned EQ in the last year. I didn't know that was a thing, like, honestly. Um, and so EQ is just, like, emotional intelligence, um, understanding emotion. So – Instead of becoming a society where it's like uh, strength or or brains or this and this and that, this era is an era for feeding the soul, and and um, so as we talk about testing limits, you you have to be careful because uh, a lot of testing your limits, uh, at least from what I've seen lately, I, I don't know. I've been going through a lot of it, not myself, but seeing mm-hmm. others. Uh, is just uh, relationships. 
and people testing limits there. And there's a lot that's out of your control. As a man that is with a woman, you should know there are a lot of things outside of your control. And so you have to be cautious as to where you test those limits. And um, our society is, is, is in flux as it deals with um, some institutions that we've put in place a long time ago to say, this is how you're supposed to do it, young man. This is how you're supposed to do it, young woman. We're moving into a very new era. Um, identity is being questioned. Um, and it's just a scary time. So when we talk about me testing limits, these are all personal limits. This is my right. own world I live in to test those boundaries. But as you step outside of that and it starts to involve others, you have to be very cautious. I think so, because everybody has a different comfort level, if you will, and you can't project that on anybody else. Ideally, of course, you can find people that like-minded individuals and you look at the world in a similar fashion and you test yourself in a similar fashion. Um, But there's also growth and development that you get from seeing somebody and being with somebody and being friends with somebody or interacting with somebody that looks at the world night and day. That's just perspective, if you will. And it's not one is right nor wrong, but it's just making sure you have that conversation and you're not putting on your blinders to a different part of the world. And I think that's, you're hundred percent right in relationships. What I find both um, professional, personal, intimate, all of them, it comes down to trust and communication and trust comes from if you communicate things and even yes. your relationship with your friends. Cause that's what I think journaling is where it's just writing down your thoughts and having a conversation with somebody. But if words go unspoken, then expectations are very different from all different parties, including yourself. Uh, trust can break down. And next thing you know, it's, I don't know, it's just not what people originally anticipated. Yes. But it becomes really challenging because, I don't know, in this day and age, your attention is is fought for in a million and one different ways. So it's hard to protect the time to communicate and actually share honest thoughts and feelings and emotions, you know? It is. And intentions. I think we all have intentions for ourselves. Others have intentions for us. There is the man you are. There is the boy your parents raised. There is the man your spouse thinks you're becoming. You know, there's there's all these different versions of you uh, that happen to have to live inside one body. And so there's that war that goes on inside. And, you know, um, Sometimes you get into things and uh, I don't even think it's just society that doesn't want you testing limits. I think it's people around you. They don't want you testing limits. Physical limits are scary for people. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, ice baths are a small thing. But, you know, if I get an ice bath, my mother's like, you're going to get pneumonia. (laughs) And then I gave myself friggin' pneumonia once. I stayed in But I needed to know the limit, bro. I needed to yes. know the number of minutes and the temperature of the water that broke me. And now yes. I want to beat it. But, you know, like these kind of things, it's like you I understand it. But it's not that everyone around me doesn't want me to be great. It's just they're like, this is not necessary. But isn't that why? So I was thinking about this earlier in, in uh, ADSC versus greatness. It's yes. like the the fine line is humility. And if you're humble, you'll kind of go back to being an idiot or thinking you're an idiot. And then that's when you learn a tough lesson or a mistake that you then go back for round two or round three to test one more time and see, all right, maybe I am an idiot or maybe I am great. And you just 
perpetually beat yourself up. It's like the daredevil mentality and attitude until at some point maybe they were right and uh, pneumonia or whatever it may be. You got to tuck your tail, bro. You just got to accept it. <laughs> maybe you are a punk. You know, I've, had, I've yeah. had those moments. But no, it's just like that's just a very small example, but it's a metaphor for a lot of other things. Um, just approach to life, you know, um, and that's the thing you know inside that you are a genius or at least in your heart that's what you believe mm-hmm. uh but to be a genius you have to have that 30 percent of just being a complete imbecile and saying you know total disregard for certain things just to get past that natural block that we all mm-hmm. have that it's like right on the edge of greatness there's a block there's imposter syndrome there's all these things these fail safes to stop you from jumping or doing that thing, you know, it's, it's, it's just like suicide. There's blocks because everything in you wants to survive, but it's just your mind, maybe your heart that hurts so much that you just want to die, but there's fail safes there. But just as there's fail safes for that, there's fail safes for being a genius and taking the risks or taking the chances and going against everything. Everyone is telling you, you know, you don't have an Elon Musk without a little bit of recklessness. You don't get that. It just doesn't happen, bro. If you followed all the rules, then mm-hmm. you're you you there's a cap as to where you can get. The ceiling is very close. I don't think people realize how close the ceiling is for, you know, just your what society tells you your your capabilities are. So every once in a while you're faced with a decision and you you have to push through and then uh, I call it the fuck it bucket. All that <laughs> But it is all that concern, all that doubt need to be thrown in there and you just need to jump. You know, it's like people that go bungee jumping and they're like, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. Can you more time for safety? And the guy just shoves you and you fly off screaming, you know, but that's needed. That that last minute. Hey, man, YOLO, you know, like YOLO was a very dangerous phrase uh, because people were using it in the wrong way. And it most of the time ended up in alcohol poisoning. But um, really, it's a great phrase because it's the moment where you're just like the fear of not knowing has become greater than the fear of just, you know, the actual task. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's a lot of that. It's it's I feel as if not I feel one of the things that when I think of uncertainty and the not knowing, that's all they ever spoke about in uh leadership and decision making classes where it's just like you have to make decisions and be comfortable with being uncomfortable and like taking all the data that you could possibly have and then saying all right based on this i think this is what's going to happen and just stepping in with some semblance of confidence that all right maybe this is the model or this is a prediction that will ideally affect business but you could take that mindset and same approach to yourself where it's like all right I think if I try and curl this 20 pound, I might break my bicep or maybe I got one more in me or whatever it may be. And then it's that physical. This is why everything has to fall back to testing yourself in some way, because only if you're doing, if only if you do that, can you then apply that to other skills and other environments and uh, ecosystems. And then that's the interplay or the balance of like nature versus nurture. Yes, there's some nature because you test it and you forge your iron, but then you're also going to go play around in the real world and see like, all right, is some of my breath holding and my bicep curls and my cold baths real or is it full of shit? And sometimes you get pneumonia, sometimes you walk out with greatness, but it's 
you have to do it. You can't ignore it. Or you can't uh, hide away from it and just be a spectator of any and everybody that uh, might try that because then you're, I don't know, then you're left being an NPC as opposed to being the main character. That's true. That's very true. Plus, it's the only path to being Wim Hof. Like, you got to go through <laughs> it. But also, I think uh, maybe, like, examples also help us. Uh, if you see it's been done before, you feel like it's you're capable. Uh, I think the trick of life in general, as it relates to uncertainty, is one, don't associate fear and uncertainty. You can be afraid of things or, you know, certain outcomes, but I don't believe them to be synonymous in any way, shape, or form. And I think a lot of people, uh, they are synonymous for them. Uncertainty is fear, um, especially for control freaks. So, Well, it's like acute anxiety and chronic ex- – like acute anxiety might be fine and good so long as it's not crippling. You can take that so long as you're going to then still act. But Correct. if it's fear – it's crippling anxiety. It's chronic, and you're just like sacrificing any sort of initiative or act for the sake of oh shit, this could happen, and I crumble. The worst action you can take is not taking action, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's a firm belief. But um, as you say, anxiety. Hey, hey, hey. What? Me and Why? Me and anxiety. Oh, <laughs> no, it feels like uh, what do you call it? I think anxiety was created around the same time as those weird little scooters, bro. The little, the little, they're not the segways, bro. Not the, the Heelys? The, the hoverboards. The, the, yeah, bro. Anxiety <laughs> dropped like <laughs> No, just because I know the word. Uh, I, I, I've heard what it means. Um, maybe I've experienced it, but at the same time, I'm like, what did my father's era uh, call that? You know, like, like. Was that why did Buck it not up. exist at one? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but that also lends to the EQ becoming more of a thing now. But, um, yeah, I think no, I think back in that day, like if you had anxiety, they call it gas pain, you know, like yo, <laughs> like straight up, you know what I'm saying? It was the nut up and shut up era, so they didn't have time to address those things. And, and I think the more we talk about them, also. The more people try to latch on and say, I have this, you know, and, and I, I think overwhelmness is a thing. Um, I know we feel that, especially when it becomes uh, things dealing with uncertainty or fear and causes hesitancy and then doubt shows up and it just becomes this little party that you didn't want to be invited to. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, sorry. The word anxiety just triggered. It, it but rubs it's- me the wrong way but i i'm not saying to anyone who's out there feeling over anxious uh i get that but like you say once it becomes crippling it's like yeah necessary as Stutz would say yeah very much so they're great and i'm no therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist by no means but in in looking at some of their theories or frameworks of of therapy in some way, shape, or form, you got to expose yourself to it or you have to start small and like build up to it. Like you can't ignore or tuck your anxiety or your depression or your uncertainty under the rug. You have to make a decision and see what's going to happen or yes. bear the consequences of inaction. So, so all these, this is, this is, I think this is part of why 
fallen into sales and I'm comfortable with like taking a lot of my early career here because dude, I'll tell you something like cold calling sucks. Cold calling is all horrible experience. <laughs> that is uncertainty, bro. You know? <laughs> you know? But, but you, you got to click the button. That you do. And that ties into everything we were talking about before, especially as I was saying, testing the limits, but involving other humans. Cold calling is probably, I hate it the most in your whole entire industry because it just seems like the most depressing thing I could ever take part in because you just don't know, you mm-hmm. know. I would rather go ask a freaking 11 out of 10, you know, for a dinner date than to cold call somebody just to sell them stuff, you know. it's Sales is hell, bro. You, you chose hell. And, and I respect you for it. <laughs> But, but it was by accident, dog. I didn't know this is what I was stepping into. Are you so sure? I'm 100% sure. Uh, even choice now. But I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer and I push everybody to, to step into it some way. But uh, it's funny because all the like philosophical topics or societal topics we'll take on just for our curiosity's sake. I, a lot of these ideas are pulled from sales of just like, guys, I know it sucks, but – you can't get stuck in analysis paralysis. You cannot like just just press the button, see what happens. Action over inaction. You got to plan your. You have to have some sort of intention or goal on any and all of your calls. Otherwise, you're going to be reactive and just wait for the world to kind of unfold in front of you. That same process is the same thing that can be applied to martial arts, to uh, to engineering, to swimming, to finance to like any and all processes just that like hey you are going to be a master at some point if you put enough reps and then you're going to eclipse and then you're going to have to go be a student again by learning something new and putting yourself out there and being uncertain in a new topic slowly but surely you'll amass more and more skills and competencies to be able to say all right i am x and i can handle all these problems or you don't have to and you could just stay in your lane and not limit your potential but yeah Limit your yeah. potential. Limit how far you could potentially see what you're capable of. Yeah, sales is just like a nightmare. But I think the beauty. <laughs> no disrespect to your field. It's just uh, literally, it's something I do believe that I could not do. Um, well, I could do it if I really put my mind to it, but it would be a very, 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 very painful process. Which actually, now that I think about it, might have been a good route to go. But. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it's it's just there's so much uncertainty, and and then when you say you uh, fell into it by accident, and now um, when I hear you speak about your industry, it's uh, it's this love hate, but super admiration for those who excel at it, and and have definitely offered different perspective to approach to sales. It's just like. It's based in human interaction. That's all it is. Mm. I, I even think of it as a type of sorcery, bro. I, I don't think of it as, a, <laughs> as necessarily a skill set. You guys are wizards of a, of a sort when you're really good at it. You know what I'm saying? It's magical when you're good at it. 100%. And trust me, dog, I'm not I'm not the wizard. And I've seen wizards. Here's what I've – I've seen them, and I'm like, how? What did you do? I tuned in. I was in on the call. This happened, and I thought it was gonna go here, and the next thing you know, it got left left tornado, and now you're the deal's closed, and it's dead ass. It's this sixth sense, it's this intuition I've seen that they have, 
but like any and all things, they only have it because they've gone into all these different experiences and conversations and failed a million and one times in uncertainty that that now they're acting with a level of confidence was like, oh, I know that if I do this, shit, got to avoid that, that left corner and go here, you know? Um, and it seems like sorcery, but it ultimately comes to a shit ton of trauma behind it where they are now avoiding all of the the red flags and signs, you know? But I don't know. I feel like that that approach can be taken in in so many different things. And in the same way, it's this this now. What's interesting about the space is a lot of the brute force, old school mentality of just like shut up and buck up, chump, which is a huge part of sales. Don't get me wrong. Is now also complemented with this EQ heavy side of things where you like you got to break it down, you got to analyze, you got to think, you got to be empathetic and compassionate. Couple that with some buck up and shut up, and then it's like this this next level uh, phenom, you know? But it's so hard because there's a million and one different gurus and scientists out there trying to figure out what is the souse. Yeah, and I think everyone's souse is different. Uh, would you say for, let's just take sales for the example, can it be taught or are you born with it? And, and, and I have this issue with leadership a lot. Uh, to be labeled a leader Sometimes I think you have to be born with it, right? Just to really excel at being a leader. And if you're not, and you were just taught the ways of leadership, you usually are just maybe a good manager. You can be a good manager, but you're not a leader in a sense. So like, as it relates to sales in your industry, I'm sure you've been in it long enough to see people come and go, um, yeah. have people under you. And, you know, what, what? what is that? Like, do you see someone walk in first day and you're like, that's a sucker. You know, yeah, 100%. all you hear is you hear one like little exchange with Jenny at the water cooler in the lunchroom. <laughs> Look at that, bro. I think I think, her I think on a red solo cup. He's going places, done. You know, <laughs> but there is there. But it's it's like anything where some people have an innate predisposition and are talented in one thing, and with the right coaching and development and like skill maturation, they can be the next LeBron James. And then there are some athletes or some salespersons who don't start off with it, start off very anxious, timid and tepid and have no idea what they're doing and chicken with their head cut off. But with enough reps, enough training, enough coaching, they could get there. I don't know if they'll ever reach uh, LeBron James status, but I, I feel as if you look at all those greats, and athletes, it's not talent that makes them. It's it's sheer sweat equity and reps and like dedication to the craft and the game that makes them who it is. And I I very much so see that in sales, where you have folks who are naturally talented but don't put in any work and they don't cap, but they don't see what they're capable of. They're just kind of flying by, which I've done in my life. I see it. And then you have some folks who I've had some reps where I've, I, I've even told them, I was like, dude, when I first saw I started working with you, I thought, man, this is either going to be a superstar comeback kid story where it started from nothing, didn't understand it at first, put in his reps and bang, he is now the the Ricky Bobby of the game. Or he's going to dedicate himself to the craft, study, put in all these reps, try it all out. And just never quite figure out that one thing and maybe quit before it happens or get stuck in an environment where it happens. And and then it's just like unmissed potential. Fortunately, he ended in the former and not the latter. 
But it's it's just it always comes to uh, some level of self awareness, you know. And I, I I would imagine it's a similar thing in in the world of of engineering and hardcore academia too where you have certain curiosities and questions that you naturally ask about principles or applications and maybe you test some limits maybe you don't maybe you question some principles or institutions maybe you don't but depending on where you lie and how often you do it you might become a a shifu or you might just become a, a cog in the wheel just running a business or running somebody else's business i I think there is a similarity. I just think of it as different because um, and maybe it's just an ignorance. I, I don't look at sales as one of those simple technical fields. And what I mean by simple technical is when I'm doing a calculation, I have a set of formulas. If the formulas work out, then it works. Right. If they right. don't, I got to redo the numbers. Whereas sales is more of a... Sales. <laughs> It's a feeling, though, but it's a mm. feeling. It's knowing. It's a, uh, and this is not a negative word. Well, at least I don't believe manipulation is a negative word. But there's a, a, a level of manipulation there. Mm-hmm. Like, so I feel like there are, are, are things, like, so, like, in the superhero movies or the, oh, we put together a team of military guys that are going to fight the bad guys of the world, and we pulled them out of prisons because of the skills they had, and, you know, they yeah, were yeah. Lords and whatever. But I feel like with salespeople, it's, it's almost like my idea of them, it's like, all right, the guy who has six different chicks, one for every day of the week kind of thing, <laughs> and then Sundays are his, but somehow he's got them to believe in him and it's like bam they want to be around him but he sets his boundaries and this so he's closed all of these deals and it's like boom he's a jealous he can be a <laughs> you know what i'm saying like there are, are little things that you can notice i don't know if you've ever thought of it that way but like um the salespeople are the they start out as tricksters in their mischievous stage and if they can trick people into doing things then ha I got him. And it's no shade on the field. It's just how, as an outsider, I've always seen. I I agree. And I don't, I don't, I I don't disagree, but I think it's missing part of it where like, that is the, the. You're you're like, I'm not giving sales enough credit, bro. (laughs) Yes, motherfucker. (laughs) Let me. No. Because. (laughs) Because. The, the raw talent are the mischievous ones that have just through interacting and exploring in their own world, they figured it out and they've started to just put in their reps and like, oh, I know I can get this when I get this and Bob's your uncle. But then there are, there's also the one that has one girl has been married to them for 25 years, but then studied all the, the, all the guys that have six girls and like, how did he do that? And he's taking that psychological principle and applying that to how can I – so I say it because it's like in the same way if you look at UFC or MMA, there's there's no there's no one king or the king constantly changes in the style right. of what that looks like. The meta of the game changes just like the meta of the sales game changes where at one point you could just brute force everything and just be mischievous. Then it came up where the, the high EQ and compassion and talk to me, baby, about your feelings came up and – I don't know if that ever was, but you get me like, there's always, there's all these different approaches to it and the dynamic is ever changing. And the ones who I feel as if are consistently winning at least are the ones who are trying a bunch of things and have their, 
their hand in all the old and the new cookie jars to be able to figure out, well, what's the, what is the sauce? Cause it's going to change. And as soon as you get comfortable with being on top or comfortable with a certain tactic and you don't change or try something new is when you become stale and outdated and the next, the next generation kind of comes up behind you. You ever come across somebody in your industry that you just felt it was a futile effort to attempt to really invest in them, say? Like at work. No, I'm just saying, like at work, <laughs> yeah. ever yeah. in your career, have you hit a spot where you're just like, bro, work with me? You know, like yeah. you, you try oh. all, all your different sorcery as, as, a, as a salesperson and you're trying to do the take you under the wing, but then you realize, bro, I'm just carrying a, a, a dead weight almost. Dude, look, and I've also been on the other side of the, the coin where I've myself been. You canned. were the dead weight. I, I was the dead weight boy. So I've seen both sides. And and I don't feel as if nor think that uh, just because you're a dead weight now doesn't mean you're a dead weight forever. No bad blood in terms of like the guys that canned me as an example. It's just timing and it's just what's currently going on. What are the needs right now? And do they match with what's being presented? And ultimately, it'll come down to people. Does that one person want to commit and dedicate the time, energy, and sweat equity is to figure out, well, why is it not working and what is it that it's going to take to work? Correct. And and I'm uh, I'm okay with that. And I'm I'm also willing to, and I have gambled on folks where it's like, somebody would turn a blind eye or they are the uh, dark horse, if you will. How I'll always chalk it up is I'll, I'll continue investing. We'll keep trying. We'll continue trying to figure out, well, what could potentially make it work so long as there's actually more effort on the other end? Correct. Because I feel as if motivation, initiative, drive can't come from an external force, from a manager, from a peer, from a supervisor, it has to come from you have to do some fucking soul searching to be able to say you know what no i want this and i'm going to try all these different things i'm going to try what you're recommending and if it's still not working still not panning out well i have some data beyond just like well it's not working what do we do now yeah um and i only say that maybe it's just in the space and time where i'm at because generally worked with smaller scale companies or growth stage companies where it's like well, you don't have time for fat uh, but you, there, there's just a slimmer margin of, of risk that you, you're willing to take on. And especially if it's like a big opportunity in front of you, you want the right keystones in place to be able to maximize the early question of, well, what are we capable of here? Uh, and then you get to a level of maturation in a company growth stage where it's like, all right, well, now that we're here and we have a little more stability and predictability, we can start to take on a little more risks and gamble on some folk and invest and grow and then you get the silicon valley 21st century the the, the lunchroom is full of cereal and popcorn and everybody's playing ping pong as opposed to buckling down and doing some work both are important but time and place and yes. i feel as if it's always safer to be in the category of i'm always going to just sweat equity out find my internal motivation and drive whatever that is and then be able to present all options and initiative and drive if you're not doing that, then you have nobody but yourself to blame. And I just want to be able to, at the end of the day, not be able to like say, shit, I missed one thing. I could have tried this and it's yeah. too late now. 
But you've worked, have you worked at larger companies, larger than I have? Does that culture exist or how does that culture exist? The nurturing culture <laughs> that doesn't exist. Um, I've worked in larger companies. Uh, I would say I've been in the industry for 11 years now, older, a little longer than 11 years. And I've seen a lot of people come and go. Um, like I said before, I think engineering is a bit more technical. So <laughs> I, I would make the broad statement that anyone can do what I do. Uh, can they do it to the level that I do it? Uh, it's going to take a lot of uh, sacrifice and a, a little bit of uh, ego, a whole lot of balls and <laughs> a ton of time um, to get where I am. But uh, pretty much anybody can do it. And I, I think I've come across a full spectrum of different people, different drives, different things that some of them are pulled by things. Some of them are pushed by internal things. And um, I think we've talked about it before, how pull and push are, are two different um, strengths as far as a force. One is better mm -hmm. than the other, but um, ultimately there've been, uh, let's say about 20%. It's, it's rare that I run into them, but when I do, it's very frustrating. The people that I'm just like, are you incompetent or are you, lazy? <laughs> uh, are you, you know, what's, what's stopping you from just, if you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability. And I don't think the culture exists inside my industry. I just think it exists within me and it's been my contribution to the culture. Um, but I think uh, what I always do and how I really spread that culture, is I always ask people first up when I first meet them before I even decide to train someone, what do you want out of life? Tell me, what do you want? What's the big thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then what are you passionate about? It's something I always ask. And then I always tell them, depending on the answers to those is engineering is either your passion or it's a vessel. Those are the only two types of people. It's, it's no Nobody gets into engineering because, oh, it's a job. You call it your vessel because it's going to get you where you need to go or you mm -hmm. are really passionate about numbers and every time you hit the equal button and it doesn't give you an error on a calculator it's like full chub activated kind of thing and so <laughs> those guys are very rare they're very rare um uh i'm not gonna say you know that they come from a specific part of the world or anything stereotypical hmm. like that but they're just very rare so for a lot of us it's just the vessel and um but i think you can be born to be an engineer and even if you're not born to be one you could be one um, but with sales, like I said, there's still this view of, bro, they're the, 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 the beginning of 300 when they're disposing of the babies. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how I view sales, bro. Like, oh, nah. he smiles. He's, bro. He, he doesn't have, you know, the stone heart to be in sales. So that's yes. why. Well, th there are some non-starters that it's just like, think about it for a little bit and, and, and just never do it again. It should just be a non-starter for you in the same way that I feel like that exists for engineering. That's why you guys, I don't know if you do it down in the States, but in Canada, they do the iron ring. Uh, when you're part of the big boys club. Yeah. When you, Yeah. And you make it. And then there's this big ceremony. And I think the story is something along the lines of like the iron ring. It no longer is, but way back when there was uh, an error uh, and an iron bridge and it collapsed. And then they made these rings for all the new engineers that are now indoctrinated each year over year. And it's a healthy reminder of effectively incompetence. You cannot be incompetent. You not, cannot breed nor make silly mistakes. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're cut. You're, 
separating the wheat from the chaff. And that exists in sales insofar as like there's shit that pissed me off. If you if you start a cold call, if somebody cold calls you out of the blue and says, Hey Josh, how you doing? How are you? Immediately I'm like, Who are you? What do you want? And I'm picking up a number out of nowhere. Click. Get to yeah, click. It's it's shit like that where it's like you have limited opportunity, you have limited uh, questions, you have limited space. You can't it's waste like, it. It's like writing, and they tell you in your first paragraph you have to have the attention grabber because you only have this amount of time to keep your reader going. And so, yeah, you lose it. That's, that's but that's the sauce in itself because I figure all of you have signature uh, attention grabbers. You have your own thing that it's like. Haha, that's the Nikki method, bro. Never yeah. fails kind of thing. <laughs> or it fails all the time, but Nikki's still pushing it. But it's gonna work. Now, I, it's it's a it's a fun game. It, it really is, and I think it it's fun now. At least for the last five years, it's been. And I think I got at least five more. And those that that say, "Yo, I'm, I want to play. I'm game to play as well." Just like do some bare bones research to be like, "All right." what's the meta look like right now so that we can like not go in with complete ignorance and just be rolling random dice to see what happens. Cause go learn somewhere else. Like they go start figure out table stakes on YouTube and you can figure that out on YouTube and come to the big boys table. And would you look at that? You got your iron ring online so much easier, you know, but you get in when, trouble. I was going to say, so wait, they actually have an iron ring for sales in a way or no, I mean, there's uh yeah, I, I'd say it's just everybody has a BDR role, like a BDR, business development rep. Uh, your job is to generate pipeline. It's to generate interest, to garner interest. It's You're not closing the deal in any capacity. It's it's your time in the trenches. Yeah. Uh, some people, like for me, the closest thing I had was when I was selling photocopiers, and that was door-to-door cold calling, <laughs> which – which which I feel like that that experience is similar to like what you would get to like work in the line at McDonald's on a grill. Like it's it's a certain level of grit that is built inside there. Yeah. And people and look for has a lot to of go through it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go through it. You have to go through well, this is what this is what you brought up Stutz earlier. And this is what was the most like eye opening for me where he was explaining, and for context, you guys haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. It's a great documentary and introspection from Jonah Hill and his therapist. But I, I've been intrigued by therapy, and I thought there's something, some merit to it. But the way he explained why and how he became a therapist came to, look, I've, I've just been through so much adversity myself and had to develop the tools and the skills to get through some of these experiences that now it's just natural and second nature to me. So, so when somebody comes to me with a similar experience or adversity or trial and tribulation, I can lean on some of my past experiences. And, and then in looking at a therapist in that context of just like, not a, a traumatized figure, but somebody that's been through all the adversity and has some of the answers like, Holy shit, they're almost like modern day sages or yeah. consoles. If, 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 if they're approaching it from that capacity, because there's also like the seance type of salespersons or, or therapists or engineers where like I read a couple of books and never actually applied it or tried it myself, but I'm touting from an ivory tower that, Hey, this is what I think therapy or sales or engineering is. You got to get in the trenches. You got to experience it firsthand. 
and 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 studs seems to come out of a, a place of necessity for therapy uh as it relates to his story and and that so that's why i was like you know in a way he may have wanted to be an astronaut as a kid but after certain things took place <laughs> in his life he took that turn because it's what was needed at the time and, and that's that's a great sacrifice as far as uh mm-hmm. what he's made and his contributions but um yeah well and then who knows you know maybe maybe one of his disciples or devotees becomes an astronaut so that's the the next generation you know this is my this is my last one to to wrap up with you then Josh from from my experiences I've shared I wanted to be a ner- supposed to be a neurosurgeon by this time now taken on the mindset where it's like well shit I don't I do know about talk. that I do recall that. <laughs> yeah. but I was like, you know, there's a fine line that I have to tote because I'm like, I love you as a person and I don't want to bring too much stress on you. But, you know, sometimes I'm sitting here talking with you writing down accountability. <laughs> you know, like, let me reawaken this demon. How is it going to come about? Well, maybe, yeah. maybe well, there's somebody out there that I've crossed in my path that. For some odd reason, one of the things I said, done, or experienced with this person is like set them on a path to go become Sanjay Gupta, neurosurgeon galore. Were you always on this path? You said it's a vessel for you now. So is it is it because there's a, it's a vessel right now because there's some longstanding mission that you've always had? Has the path or the passion changed in terms of what you no. – and where you thought you'd be and what you'd be looking to build or, or the purpose at the end of it all? I don't think it's changed. I think the direction in general has always been due north. Um, people have come into my life and uh, through my industry and have adjusted my scopes. Um, what I thought I was aiming for, uh, a lot of times uh, where the effort is put, um, I realized that... Uh, I didn't adjust the scope properly. So the item that I was seeing clearly was actually short of what my actual maybe intention was. So it's almost involuntary as to what I'm doing now. Um, One of the greatest pieces of my job, and I may be the only person um, that feels this way, and it's one of the reasons I don't have an iron ring, is training people. Um, I am literally like, uh, teachers are very uh, spat upon in, in a lot of societies. Um, They're not treated as they should be, but they are some of the greatest uh, souls uh, to decide to deal with humans and train humans. Um, but within my industry, I'm a production engineer, meaning I'm constantly producing projects. But the thing that I don't get the credit for is I'm constantly producing engineers. And Back in the day, it was, uh, Josh wants the highest profile project, bro. I want to be on the news, but in a good way, not yes. in a bad way, you know? Um, <laughs> but the projects were cool and all, but I am one man. So this legacy that I'm attempting to leave in my industry, it has a size already that I could get to by myself. The production of engineers meaning I produced an engineer from scratch. He knew nothing. I taught him everything. And now he's out doing projects has widened the reach of my legacy. And so there's a thing where now when engineers that I've trained do projects, 
there's a level of pride that fills me because mm-hmm. I'm so proud of these guys and like just the um, simple fixes to some ro- uh, bumps in the road on that project. And I see little pieces of myself in the project because I'm like, damn, I taught him that, you know, and these things, uh, a lot of these things are very unorthodox. So I think it's still a vessel. Um, I think this is my revolution. That's what it is. It was a vessel. And what I meant by vessel before used to be, all right, I'm going to get up enough money to do exactly what I want to do. But since I've been in the industry so long, since I've been a a voice for some of the voiceless in the industry and people that are mishandled, uh, that's kind of why I took you down the path of, uh, have you ever met someone that you were like, yo, this can't be done, bro. (laughs) He is not capable, bro. Cancel him immediately. But, um, I've had a lot of those and it's, it's just made me change the way I do things. And so this is my revolution. This is my uh, spitting in the face of powers that are working against uh, good people um, inside my industry. Uh, the iron ring, it, it does symbolize something, but for me, the iron ring symbolizes a club that maybe they didn't want me to have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a disruptor, I'm going to find a villain to, to attack, even though they may not have been the villain in the first place. But um, it's similar to the professional engineering board here. Uh, The professional engineering board here in the States is you have to take a test. And the test is based on all these concepts that you learned in college. So if you don't do it immediately after, it's going to be harder and harder as years go on. But um, the way I approach my career with such an intensity, uh, I basically have not attempted that test because I'm like, I don't need to be part of your big boys club. Um, there are places in the world where they would tell you that stamp is like a, it's called a chili in India. When you put a chili and a lemon on a string in a car, people say the car will run forever. It's like a superstition to say, this is a good car. And so (laughs) I had a friend from India and he told me that's the chili. You get that and people will trust you. They will have more faith. But I'm like, so you mean to tell me all this production, this work, these engineers I've produced, that's not enough for people to trust me. And so it's this thing of my outer appearance versus what I actually know. It's the reading the book by its cover. It's the, oh, you've glimpsed a tattoo. This guy was once in a biker gang. He could not be an engineer. So um, engineering, I think I've always been heading in one direction. But my revolution is the engineers I'm creating and the people that see past everything that I am on the outside and know mm-hmm. that deep down I'm a really good engineer. But um it's also helped me define what a good man is because of how I deal with people. It, it's helped me realize that I am a good man. You know, I don't have to do great things, but it's just the way I treat my colleagues, the way I've treated those that have come up under me. Um, it's just all part of my testimonials to say, I am proud of who I am. And I look in the mirror every day and I say, Damn, Josh, you, you're a damn good person, bro. You're that guy you read about and glorify in these books or whoever, but you you live this, you know? And, and another thing is engineering so technical, but for me, engineering really is a, 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 a metaphor for life. And what I mean by that is I don't believe there's anything, uh, no such thing as a, a good or bad decision. I believe it's the amount of work you put in or put behind that decision that you make you know so i can turn anything from one thing to another mm-hmm. um, and yeah there's probably some things i shouldn't talk about <laughs> uh for fear of uh so, so having some issues um, <laughs> but no uh 
engineering really is just everything to me now. It, it spills over into a lot of my life, but um, ultimately the word engineer, it really just means problem solver. And so, um, yeah, it's a vessel, but the vessel's more important and, and me and the vessel will go further than I originally thought. But um, it is me. It's like sales is you. Uh, I'm sure there are tactics in your personal mm-hmm relationships when you realize you're using concepts and stuff on your family or whatever yeah, yeah. And like damn i sales was once my job but it's in me now it's a part of me it's it's the tools that i lean on it's the it's everything you know or even just talking to a younger sibling and it's like ah i need to get them from here to it. here <laughs> even though they want to go there so i'm gonna use my sorcery baby uh. and i'm Tell you and close this deal, but that's the thing. It's it's this interaction for you. Also, I believe it's a dance, and that's what it is for me now. It's a it's a dance that you're good at. You understand the rules of and the movements of, and you take pride in it. So it becomes it engulfs you. So yeah, I think uh, engineering. I've always headed in the same direction. It's just I didn't realize what I should have been focusing on. In the yeah. Stuff. So i can't yeah at the end of the day it's it, it everything shifts from it's not the the destination or the journey or whatever that cheesy quote is but it i think it holds true in any and all in all practices you know uh you fall in love with a bit of whatever it is you're exploring and trying to learn and grow and fumble in and then you identify with it and then slowly but surely you become this renaissance man of or woman of all these different experiences and trials and tribulations. And, and that is, that is being, that is potential as opposed to just saying, I am an engineer, or I am a salesperson or I am X. You know? Yeah. Multi, and, multi-dimensional. Multi-dimensional, you know, but if you would have caught me a year ago, I would have told you, like, when people ask, what am I? I say, I'm Joshua. I'm Joshua first, you know, and, and that's part of me trying to put the sauce on engineering. The way I do things is different. Um, it's right. not about the book. Uh, I like to be a disruptor. Um, so I'm always trying new things. So same way I approach engineering and same way I approach life. It's just a, it's a way of life. It's like karate, bro. Everything falls back on martial arts. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a way of life. And um, I think our professions are just kind of defining how we approach things, you know? It's another sandbox. It's another place to be like, in the same way, that's what kids are. That's what your relationship is. That's what your family is. Just like, all right, let's see what this process looks like. You know? On that, good sir. We'll see you again soon, Lobo Savage. This was fun. We'll keep the conversation going. Remember, don't buy those expensive gifts, people. All right? It's too expensive. (laughs) People are going to think less hurt. Write a little note. Send them a book. Love. Thank you.